Welcome to episode 198 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, backpacking has rewired our brains. And that's a good thing, right, Josh? I think so. (laughs) Then for today's Summit Gear Review, we'll share a massive win for backpackers who want to stay shower fresh. Then we'll share a listener's hack for how she brings oil painting supplies on the trail. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from John Muir. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. We have loved doing the first 40 miles over the last few years, and it's a project we want to continue. However, we, we kind of want to add to the craziness, I think. Oh, okay, for a second, you were going to make people nervous. Oh, no, I want to add to the craziness, not <laughs> subtract. Not stop it? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I thought it would be so much fun to do a YouTube channel. With a YouTube channel, you would finally get to see our faces. And we'd be able to do something different related to backpacking. Uh, or just reach a different audience, too, because not everyone listens to podcasts. Not everyone is as brilliant as you good folks out there. But a lot of people are on YouTube. And so we had this great idea to have a YouTube show called What Would You Pack? And we kind of hinted about it back in episode 195. We gave you guys a link if you wanted to submit things for us to include in that show on YouTube. But the whole idea behind What Would You Pack is that listeners, or viewers, I guess, would submit their trips. Kind of a detailed description of what they're going to be doing, what challenges they might encounter, what their dietary needs are, uh, what elements they want to include into the trip. And then we, with our backpacking year and the knowledge that we've gained over the last few years and just our own opinions, (laughs) we would create a packing list for that specific trip. And the way that I came up with the idea for this project, it was kind of a merging of a, you know, a few ideas, but we were busy packing for our trip on the Pacific Crest Trail. We're just doing a little sub- Just a little 80, 90 miles segment. That's all. (laughs) It is a long, long hike, but it's not the whole thing. Right. Um, So we're busy packing and every time I pack for a trip, I get so excited and- gear just explodes all over the place. And I'm like, oh, should I bring this or this? Or what would be the best water bottle to bring or the best sleeping bag or the best food? Like, I love that process. I also love watching packing videos, like the people who do the AT and the PCT, because they go through every little piece of gear and they say, well, I'm bringing this because of this. And I love just watching those videos. So I want to combine my love of packing for backpacking trips with a YouTube channel and make it so I can still pack for trips even if I'm not going on that trip. 
<laughs> I can still get the thrill of that. And some people will think you're crazy for saying that. I can still pack for the trips, even though I'm not going on the trips. I know it would be fun to go if anyone wanted to fly me out to wherever they're going. It would be so much fun. Well, I'd be the guy who would be saying, "I'd love to be able to go on the trips without having to pack for the trips." <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, we just think it would be a fun project. Is this like、um, taking an unboxing video and playing it in reverse? <laughs> Yeah, like that. <laughs> we've also had a little plot twist this summer, so we've had people submit trips for our YouTube channel. What would you pack? And I was getting ready for the very first trip and getting it all packed up. Had it all laid out, grid style, on a table in our little backpacking room, and then things got crazy this summer. We and okay, I think. Before we've said things have gotten crazy, but we put our house on the market and then put an offer on another house, which means our whole house is going to be packed up in tiny little boxes, including this project. So this project is in a cardboard box, sitting on a shelf, ready to be unboxed in a month or so. So we're scheduling. What would you pack for early 2019? And I think it's going to be a really fun new project. One that all of our current listeners can learn from and enjoy, but also I think it'll reach a new, wider audience of future backpackers. So while you're waiting for the first episode to launch, which is going to be a few months,、uh, we are currently collecting these trip ideas from listeners. So you can head to thefirst40miles.com/pack, P-A-C-K. And fill out your trip idea. You know that this is where I want to go. This is these are all my you know maybe special considerations or、uh, constraints. We're collecting all those over the next couple months. So Heather will have lots of different trips to、uh, pack for、uh, when this gets started. For today's top five list, we wanted to share the top five ways that backpacking has changed our lives and rewired our brains. Some people who listen to the podcast start at episode one and have listened all the way through to episode one ninety eight. Those poor souls. <laughs> oh dear. And you know, it's funny. Once in a while, well, we've decided to leave episode one up. Every episode that we've published is still available. And once in a while, we'll get an iTunes review, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I listened to the first few episodes, and、eh, it wasn't very good." <laughs> Or something like that.、Um, it's just kind of interesting. We could take those down, but they're kind of part of our part of our story, our heritage, our journey, right? But definitely, you can kind of tell over the last two hundred episodes that we've morphed a little, we've changed, we've grown, we've learned, and this has not just affected our backpacking, but it's affected every aspect of our lives, and we think in a good way. We really do. I、yeah. think you know anything that you dive into a hundred percent. Changes you, and it's definitely changed Josh and me and our whole family. The number one way that backpacking has rewired our brains is it's changed the way that I confront challenges. I think Josh has always been a natural challenge confronter, <laughs> not a confrontational person, but just he enjoys a challenge and he'll push through to the end. I think I've had to learn that. So backpacking has helped me to break things up into smaller chunks. Like instead of looking at the entire hike and being overwhelmed by ten or fifteen miles, I can break it up now mentally, day by day, or even 
one step at a time. And that has been such a helpful skill for me because this life is overwhelming. There are so many things going on all the time. We have so many demands placed on us. Just in general, I think everyone kind of feels this overwhelmed feeling uh, either all the time or a lot of the time. So backpacking has helped me to learn to break things up into chunks. And so a lot of times now with challenges, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll stop and say, okay, what's the next step? And if I can just get to that next step and figure out what is step two from step one, then that overwhelmed feeling goes away and I'm able to move forward instead of having that paralysis. One way that backpacking has helped me confront challenges is that it helps me to push through the times that are, well, boring. There's times on the trail where you're hiking along and you're like, you know, I'd really like to be in camp right now. I'd like to be done with this day because I've seen this scenery. It's kind of been the same scenery for five miles. I'm getting kind of tired of it. This is starting to get boring. My legs are aching and my feet are a little sore and swollen and I'm tired of my trail food, and I'm kind of ready for this day to be over. But it's not an option. You have to keep hiking uh, to get where you're going. And so you push through. And even though it's boring and you're tired, you just keep going. And there are times where my work is like that or other aspects of life. Backpacking has helped me learn how to develop that ability to push through the boring parts, the, the monotonous, dull parts of life that if you're going to get where you're going, you have to walk through those parts to get to the good stuff. Keeping it real. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think a lot of time we talk about the glorious parts of backpacking. But yeah, there are some of those dusty, long, boring old parts of the trail too. The number two way that backpacking has rewired our brains is it's changed how I leave the house. Now I always bring water, food, and insulation. It's kind of my three essentials that I gleaned from the 10 essentials. And lots of times I'll actually throw a knife into my pack too, just because, oh, and that's another thing. I carry a backpack all the time. If you weren't going to mention that, I was going to mention that. <laughs> Your purse is a backpack. That's right. Sometimes when I go into stores, they're like, uh, ma'am, can you leave your backpack at the counter? Because I'm like, it's a, it's a purse, but it, it looks like a backpack. Come on. <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't hassle me. So anyway, yeah, I always bring water, food, and insulation with me because I never know what's going to happen and you don't want to be unprepared. So I think backpacking has definitely made me a more prepared person. Um, I've got food and water in the car as well as a blanket in case I get stuck somewhere in the cold. So I've kind of got things handled that way. You carry your food and water with you pretty much everywhere. Uh, I have mine stashed in the car. But funny thing, another way that uh, backpacking has affected how I leave the house is how little I take with me. I go to meetings, you know, where people come with their notebooks and stuff, and I've got my phone. That phone is a multi-purpose, not just dual purpose, but like mini purpose object uh, that I just do everything on. Yep, no laptop, no tablet, no notebook, no planner. That's a little bit of the, the minimalist coming out, I guess, in, in how I leave the house. In fact, if I'm driving the car, I don't need to take the van key with me. You leave the van key at home? Yeah, I just really? take the key I need. <laughs> Everything you need, nothing you don't. I love it. The number three way that backpacking has rewired our brains is it's changed how we pack for everything, whether it's a road trip 
or we're packing up to move, which we are, backpacking has changed the way we pack. We compartmentalize, we make things easy access, we put things in like groups, and we prioritize what we bring. A lot of times we'll ask, is this really essential? And if it's not, it gets donated or given to a friend or eliminated or it magically disappears. <laughs> or as my kids say, it gets mummified. We have a family of six and we stuff ourselves into a short minivan for our family trips. And even if it's not a backpacking trip, that's how we pack and that's how we load the minivan. Everyone has a backpack that goes in the back behind the back seat. And we have to fit all six backpacks behind the back seat. So it doesn't matter if it's a backpacking trip, a road trip, we're going to be flying on an airplane, whatever, wherever we go, however we go, it's backpacks. And the number four way that backpacking has rewired our brains is it's changed how I create. And this includes creating things in the kitchen, in the studio, at the desk, in the garage. All aspects of creative work have been changed by some of these core backpacking philosophies. So even when I approach a new recipe, I read through the whole recipe with a really critical eye and I say, is that step really necessary? Do I really need to chill that dough? Do I really need to poke it with a fork? Do I, you know, because some of these recipes are so long and like there's so many superfluous steps. Of course, you talk to any French pastry chef and they'll say, every step is important. Every step is critical to the recipe. But no, I really believe simplicity is best, and so when I find a new recipe, I strip it down and just do what's essential. And the same thing with the tools in my kitchen. I like to strip it down, multi-use tools, which actually was a concept that I learned from Alton Brown first, so maybe he's a backpacker too. But you have these tools in your kitchen that are multi-purpose. You don't need it cluttered up with all these monotaskers, as he says, but is it truly essential? What's the tool's purpose? This idea of distilling down and getting to the core of something has also affected the way that I create other art besides just food, which I believe is an art form. But, you know, artists have this way of collecting tools and media and paper and all these little bits and pieces that they'll use in future projects. Sometimes I really do have to do an inventory of my artistic tools and ask what's essential. Like even with watercolor, I love having that little watercolor palette with me. But then I discovered that any water soluble ink pen plus an aqua brush can be used as a monochrome watercolor ink. That's two tools. Simplified watercolor. I love it. I've seen this effect in my work too. I, I work with data which people may not immediately associate with creating. And yet I do. I create things and I get paid based on fixed price deliverables. So I get paid to deliver what the customer needed. I don't get paid to spend hours working on it. I get paid for the, the result rather than the time that I put in. And so I scope out these deliverables with my clients and we agree to them. They go into contract. And then as I work on them, you know, there's lots of cool ideas about how those deliverables could be embellished, I guess you could say, you know, to do, oh, this cool thing or this other cool feature or this would look great. And I always have to come back to the business need and say, what's the core need here? What What's the reason that I'm creating this deliverable? And it's, it's stripping it back like you were talking about with recipes. What are the essential pieces? And making sure that I complete the essential pieces and that those essential pieces fulfill the need that my client had. 
And if I have a little time to embellish and it doesn't distract from the actual need that that deliverable fulfills, that's fine. But I always have to scope myself back and make sure that I'm really addressing those essentials. And the number five way that backpacking has rewired our brains and changed our lives is that it's changed how we dress. It's true. <laughs> we kind of look like backpackers all the time, except we smell better. So we Some of the time. Okay, yeah, not this week. It's been so hot. We've been so sweaty. It's just bleh. But anyway, we wear more wool and less cotton now. The clothes that we wear are clothes that we can move in and be active in. I'm still reducing the amount of cotton that's on my clothes rack. I've, I've still got a lot of cotton up there, but uh, one by one, I replace a shirt with something else that is more of a performance fabric. Every industry has its marketing, right? And and cotton, the cotton industry definitely has its marketing. The fabric of our lives. Right. And cotton is comfortable for casual wear. And it's also pretty helpful when it's hot outside and it helps to... Um, uh, well, I was going to say wick moisture, but then it holds on to it too. Uh, anyway, but I wonder how much more expensive is it to launder cotton compared to other fabrics? It holds on to so much water, it takes forever in the dryer. And there should be some kind of marketing campaign by some non-cotton industry that would demonstrate for everyone how they could cut their electric bill or their gas bill in half by switching away from cotton. Yeah, you put a synthetic shirt in the dryer... And it's, I mean, you don't even have to put it in the dryer, actually. You could just hang it on a hanger and it'll be dry within a few minutes. It's amazing. So yeah, I think there are some real benefits to using either wool or synthetic clothing. In fact, maybe a year and a half ago, I read the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which encourages people to simplify, reduce, just keep what is meaningful to you. So I drastically reduced my wardrobe. I don't like making decisions in the morning. So I have two black wool shirts. I rotate between the both of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what works for me. I just kind of rotate. I hand wash them and hang them up to dry and that works. Yeah. And the truth is the people around you, they can't even tell you what you wore yesterday. Yeah. If you were to ask. Well, that's good because this is what I wore yesterday in the same <laughs> outfit. Okay, maybe I could tell you what you wore yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's one of those weird things that backpacking has done to rewire our brains and kind of, uh, it makes us ask ourselves, what's essential? How can we simplify this? How can we uh, extract what's most important and leave the rest behind? So today's top five list really could have been a top 500 list. I have so many more ideas and there are so many more ways that backpacking has changed us, has rewired our brains, has made us a little bit weirder, but maybe a little bit better for it. The Trust the Trail podcast did a couple of episodes on this same topic. Episode 45 of Trust the Trail, it's called Is Less Really More? And episode 36, which is called Lightening the Load. And in both of those episodes, uh, they focused more on the the minimalism of backpacking and how that has uh, infused all aspects of their lives. So those are, those would be a couple uh, good listens if this is a topic you're interested in. And we're really grateful for the influence that backpacking has had in our lives and for the things that we've learned through the journey. For today's Thumbic Gear Review, we have kind of this hybrid review today because I feel like this is half review, half backpack hack of the week. So today we want to review Epic Wipes. Epic Wipes are massive wet wipes. Epic Wipes are pre-packaged 
individual use wipes that are huge. So the large size is two feet by one foot, and then the extra large size is 2.6 feet by 1.6 feet. And these are basically a shower on the go. In fact, that's their little tagline there. That was an original <laughs> thought. I'd, it's right off the package. But what you can do is you can take these Epic wipes and you can stash them in your car. So when you come back from the trail, you can have a fresh, clean, shower-like experience and get every single part of you clean from head to toe. And these wipes have enough square footage where you actually can use it like a shower. In a package, you'll get one wipe. And the cool thing about this wipe is that it is super durable, but it's 100% biodegradable. The wipes are made out of bamboo, which is a material that's gaining popularity. So it's really exciting to see something that's biodegradable and sustainable all in one little package. The two main ingredients in these wipes are water and eucalyptus essential oil. And so you'll end up smelling fresh and feeling that tingly feeling that eucalyptus oil has. And because eucalyptus oil is an essential oil, it will dissipate rather than lingering like some of the petroleum-based scents and fragrances do. So I like that this is more natural. For mass, the large Epic wipe weighs 1.15 ounces or 61 grams. That's for the two foot by one foot wipe, that's large. And the extra large Epic wipe weighs 4.4 ounces or 124 grams. And that one is the one that measures 2.6 feet by 1.6 feet. But there is a way around the weight. This is where the hack comes in, why this is like a hybrid gear review slash hack. So if you just wanna use these wipes as a shower after you're done on the trail, then stash these in your glove compartment and use them at the trailhead in the bathroom to kind of clean up. But if you want to take these on the trail as an ultra light shower on the go, all you have to do is open the package and let the entire thing dry out because most of the weight is water. So if you can just dry these out, either hang it on your pack right before you head out or dry it out at home, then you have this ultra light, 100% biodegradable, reusable towel that you can use to stay clean on the trail. Epic wipes are the first wipes that I've found that are biodegradable. I've looked at every single baby wipe on the market, even the ones that are like, you know, all natural or sensitive or earth friendly whatever, I don't care what the label says, a lot of them are plastic based. And so they don't biodegrade. So this one is bamboo based, it will biodegrade, and is one that I would recommend either bringing with you on the trail or having in your glove compartment after the trail. And we'll have the link for Epic Wipes in today's show notes, and you can find those at thefirst40miles.com slash 198. For today's backpack hack of the week, a listener shared with us how she brings oil painting on the trail. She recognizes that oil painting is not typically an ultralight activity. However, she's found a way to get it down to about a pound. She knows what she's talking about, so we're going to turn the microphone over to Megan for today's backpack hack of the week. On your backpack hack of the week, um, a while back, you talked about the watercolor plein air painting set. 
Well, I have devised one for oil painting, if you guys want to hear about it. It only weighs one pound, which compared to normal plain air kits, which usually are five to ten pounds, this is very light. So what you would do first is get a piece of corrugated cardboard about two inches thick. I got mine from some IKEA furniture packaging, and that will be your easel. So you'll cut it to the size of your painting that you want to make. Mine is about five by seven. Then you would get some canvas that has not been mounted yet. So some painting canvas, and you cut it to the same size as your cardboard easel. I usually cut about five pieces. That way you can make five paintings or so, more or less, depending on how much time you'll be there. And you use wide masking tape and tape it onto your easel. And then after you're done with one painting, you can untape it, peel it off, and put a piece of wax paper on top of it and set it aside until you take it home. Then for your palette, you would just get a thin piece of anything like foam board or cardboard, mat board, anything that's sturdy and light, and you cover that in wax paper, and that will be your palette for mixing your paints. Obviously, you'll tape the wax paper on one side. For your paints at craft stores, they have tiny little plastic cups, and they have lids. So you get these tiny paint cups. They're just like the kinds that came with the paint-by-number set. So you get those, you fill it up with your basic palette, white, raw umber, blues, reds, greens, and yellows, and more or less, depending on what colors you want to use. Then you would also, of course, bring a few brushes, five or so. You might want to bring a few pieces of charcoal and a small nub of eraser for doing sketches. Of course, you're going to bring some paper towels. And what I use to clean my brushes is vegetable oil. So you would get a small um, leak-proof squeeze bottle of vegetable oil and squirt some onto your palette and rinse your brushes that way. It takes all of the paint off for you. And the whole thing only weighs about one pound. If you end up using all five pieces of your canvas, you would bring extra wax paper and you just put wax paper in between each of your paintings and then try and um, put them back onto your easel for safekeeping. So... That's my uh, backpack hack of the week. I hope it helps somebody out there that wants to paint with oils and do it in a light way. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Muir. Who's that? (laughs) What did he say? All right, smarty pants. (laughs) Want me to read it? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. He said, wherever we go in the mountains... We find more than we seek. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. I was wondering where you were getting the words for that intro. <laughs> Just kind of boop. Technically, okay. it's changed Josh and me. Ah, uh, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I've been shot down by the grammar police. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry, oh, but no. I, I know you're into that kind of stuff. I am. I am. 